0: um and so we got into the discussion about uh justification sanctification because uh, as uh, i told bo as we were talking about this this week when we started talking about it i saw everybody's eyes go like that and lots of questions and lots of feedback that was helpful that kind of thing afterwards and during the week by email that kind of thing so i thought this is so important for us to understand Um, justification versus sanctification that we'll spend some time with this now um, let's actually um, just before we go back into uh, first things just summarize uh, some of what we've learned about uh, justification and sanctification so if we were going to summarize some of the things we've learned what are some of the things we should say to summarize it Um, and let's start this way how should we summarize it visually? Two boxes. two boxes. Okay. And so we've got two boxes. And uh, what, what, uh, what, what's this box over here? What's been our left box? Justification. Yeah. So we've got justification over here. And then our right box we've been saying is which? Sanctification. Sanctification. So we've got that here. Okay, and um, so let's talk, uh, you know, summarize these things, you know, kind of in bullet fashion, uh, I think, here. So justification, when does this happen? Okay, yeah, at the point of salvation. And so, what activates a person's justification? Saving faith, faith. yeah, exactly. So, saving faith activates justification. And what happens, what is justification? What is justification? Okay, it's It's an act. So, that, that corresponds with saving faith. You have saving faith once, right? And then you have a faith that continues throughout your life. Um, and that is a faith that was saving, but it began at a certain point in your life. Even if you grew up in the church, at a certain point in your life, you believed savingly. You believed in a way that, that, that brought about your salvation or your, justifi- your justification. Who are we justified before? Yeah, justified before God. And so we're not concerned about what men think about us. Um, we're, you know, ultimately, we're concerned about what God thinks about us. And so our justification comes by saving faith. And so we look back to this with gratefulness. Um, when in a worship service do we especially look back at this? Good, so preaching, good. If the preaching doesn't have that, then, then yeah, it, it, it should. What? Lord's, Lord's Supper. Supper. Lord's Supper is where Jesus says, don't forget about this. that I went to the cross for you. And this is that every covenant is established through the uh, shedding of blood. And so when Jesus begins the, the new covenant, when he renews the covenant with God's people and and you know even in jeremiah 31 which jeremiah talks about a new covenant where the context of that is god, that god is renewing his covenant with his people renewing his covenant with his people when they return from exile with the return from exile um and then ultimately everything comes to full fruition in jesus um uh but just know that jeremiah 31 you know about the new new covenant stuff um that that's, that's a, um, the context of that and the translation of that can even go with renewed covenant and that makes a lot of sense there. But uh, justification, so saving faith brings this about and we're happy for this and we look back to this and say, God, this is so great. Um, another time in the worship service we look back to this is in the early part of the service each week. Um, declaration of the gospel. Okay, we look back at that uh, here. And what do we do the declaration of the gospel right before? Confession. Confession. Yeah, good. And so why can we confess our sins so freely during the week and during that part of the worship service each, each Sunday? Why can we just say everything before the Lord? Because this happened in our past. Because all our sins were in Jesus' body on the cross, and we're not going to surprise God with some new sin. One, because he knows all things. But two, because he took all our sins in his body on the cross. And all our sins were in his future. Jesus did not divide our sins between today, uh, the, the past however many years we've lived, and our future. He just took however many years we're going to live uh, all in one and took all those sins that we were going to commit in the future, uh, which he knew and were under his decree, and those sins Jesus received upon himself, and the Father poured out his wrath against Jesus uh, against for our sins. Jesus didn't have any sins of his own, so no wrath that he earned, but once he takes our sins upon himself and his body on the tree, uh, 1 Peter um, then, or 2.24, Uh, he uh, um, he suffers wrath for us and so there's no wrath left for us and so then we're born at some point in history and there's this there's this just tension there's something in the air (laughs) there's a floating balloon like a, a helium balloon that's that's losing helium it's still up in the air it's not up in the clouds it's about there and all it needs to happen is we grab that balloon that justification balloon that that Jesus died for my sins. We grab that. When we grab that, what would we call that theologically? When we grab the balloon, regeneration has happened because now we see the balloon. Yes, saving faith. Okay, saving faith is we grab the balloon. Or in Old Testament um, ceremonial law, what we do is we say, Ah, I'm going to take Jesus as my sacrifice to the temple, and that's going to cleanse me of all my sins for all time, and I won't have to come back here, come back here again with a sacrifice uh, at the three festivals of the year, or, or I won't have to have a, 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 another high priest or the same high priest next year at the same time on the same date, Day of Atonement, give a give a sacrifice for my sins. Saving faith is when we take Jesus as our once-for-all sacrifice, and we finally see it. It's like that balloon in the air, and we grab it by that little ribbon underneath it, (laughs) and we pull it uh, for ourselves. And so that's our our justification there, and that all happens in the past of every person who's believed. Um, uh, Now, the second question here is we summarize justification and sanctification. Um, so that's at the point of our saving faith where our lives is sanctification? sanctification where where in our lives at what time in our lives is sanctification our whole, our whole lives mm-hmm. and so from the point of saving faith on is sanctification and when is our sanctification completed dead. yeah when we see Jesus um, so 1st uh, John 4 about verse 3 uh, when we, we, we see him face to face, you know we're purified of all our you know our, our, our sins, and we will be like him. It says there, uh, we'll be like him uh, when we see him face to face. And so our lives, um, um, your life is this period of sanctification, and in sanctification. Um, that's not a one-time act. What is that sanctification? Works. Is it's yeah, important. the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God, and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live hmm. unto righteousness. Okay, so that's how you answer when you're <laughs> uh, you're in your ordination trials. You're just going through that song with that. <laughs> I used to say, I probably told you this, down in Orlando or down in Central Florida in our presbytery, when guys would come for ordination who had graduated from RTS in Orlando, and those questions were asked, they would, you could hear the pauses of the song (laughs) in their answer, even though they weren't singing. Um, But... um, by the way, Allison, this morning she uh, told me I'm going to this church tomorrow. It's an Orthodox Presbyterian church. They're good guys. They're the closest thing to the PCA. Um, and and uh, uh, <laughs> uh, so she said, and here's the pastor. It says he went to RTS. I don't know which one, but it said he graduated in 1996. So if he went to Orlando, Allison said, then he would have known Wilbur Madera, who wrote all those oh, yeah. catechism songs. And I said, yeah, that's John Canalis, and he was at Orlando and. And yeah, so he graduated with Wilbur, so she's going to talk to him about that this morning. She will, knowing Allison, she'll probably sing one of the songs. He'll he'll smile. Um, uh, But uh, now I forget what I was saying, but anyway. um, Yeah, sanctification is our lives, and we're being made more and more. We're dying unto sin. More and more. So Jesus was dead to sin. sin came up to Jesus and and Jesus said why would I want to do that he was dead to it he understood that the destruction from all of history that Adam's sin brought to the earth right you ever do that when things go wrong and you say stupid Adam (laughs) (laughs) I said to that uh, 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 a guy who was wanting some forms from me and it was like I just hate sin is in the world and so I understand you need this form (laughs) and you can't take my word for it and that I mean that's taxes every year right it's you have to prove all this stuff and receipts and all that kind of stuff because the government rightly knows you will cheat (laughs) you will say I earned nothing this year darn when you earned, you know, plenty. Um, but we 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 are dead to sin. we become more and more dead to sin, and alive to God, and and become become more like Christ. And that's our definition of sanctification. It's that's our goal of sanctification. Our definition. It's becoming more like Jesus. Okay, that's the goal of it. And it's the mo- the more we're like Jesus, the more we glorify Him in our lives. The more we Glorifying is showing off. <laughs> okay, so so when we glorify our God, we're showing off his character through what we do and say and our attitude toward people. Okay, and so that's why the, the moral law is so important for us, because the moral law flows from the character of God. God says to us, be patient, because he's patient. <laughs> He says to us, be be just, be fair, because I'm fair. And so when we're fair, when we're patient, when we're honest, when we're truthful, all those things are showing off God, the character of God in the world, and we are, like Jesus said, yeah, you know, the light of the world. We're these lights, lamps on a on a hill, and people can see and the image of God is on them so they see that and they know it's right and that it connects them a little bit with God and maybe that'll just bring a little more more guilt in their lives like I'm not right right now I'm not as I should be and that's a problem and, and that can bring someone to faith just you're, you're doing good and we don't rub people's face or we don't highlight that we're doing good but if people see it we say great God used that you know, on that person's life but sanctification is our, our life and so um, now the question is in this as we summarize where does the moral law of God fit in which box sanctification. sanctification yeah so the law of God fits in here now what if we don't do the moral law of God or we do it not perfectly hmm A- answer me in terms of these boxes. It doesn't affect your justification. It doesn't affect your justification. And so, what's our? So, over here is law, and just I'm gonna put this here just so you see the parallel here. Um, over here is faith. So when we don't complete the moral law perfectly, and we never do because our motivati- mo- motivations, uh, our motivatives are off. Our motivations are off or or we haven't put in our full effort that we could have put in or even if we do put in our full effort maybe that's just not good enough you know even though you know it's like a, a kid trying to shoot a basketball at a ten-foot goal you know he can't even get it up to the rim He put in all his effort but it just wasn't good enough but it was a nice try you know a good try good effort um, so so when we don't complete the law do we do we uh, fret about whether we're going to heaven or not when we die? No, no we don't. Um, when we don't complete the law, what is it rather that we're concerned about when we don't complete the law? There are not, uh, ten ways to answer this. We're not being like Jesus. We're not being like Jesus yet poor example before others poor example before others so we're not being like jesus which is the goal of our lives you know we're the the part of the predestination uh, uh talk in romans 8 is that we were predestined to be conformed to the image of jesus and so that's just as a personal who i'm supposed to be we haven't done that and so we're concerned about that but then for other people who are around us as crystal said we haven't glorified god or shown off his character and so we're concerned about that, not because we're concerned about whether we go to heaven or not, that's taken care of with our saving faith, which, which God made sure happened, right? The Father chose us, Jesus bore our sins on the cross, and the Holy Spirit regenerated us so we saw the balloon and grabbed it. Okay, God made sure that happened and everyone who sees the balloon grabs it. That's irresistible grace, um, as the, the tulip uh, thing talks about, or as Jesus, you'll see it this morning in the sermon, as Jesus says in John six, you know, all that the Father draw to me, come to me, and of all who come to me, I will lose not one. Uh, all the Father gives me, I will lose none of them. Okay, so that's all. That's all guaranteed over here. The only thing uncertain about that, from our perspective, is when this will happen in an elect person's life, but it will. Okay. So that's all set. So when we don't obey the law, we're not stressed about our eternal salvation. Now, if a person is not obeying the law ever and doesn't care, then that person should say, hmm, was my faith a saving faith? But if we don't uh, complete the law or don't complete it well, and we're like, oh, then the Spirit of God is probably in that person, right? Because there's there's regret. There is I should have done that. I didn't. Um, and and that's, that's a desire that the Spirit of God has put in us. Um, and, and our conscience is active through the, the Holy Spirit uh, working in us. And so when, when we um, are concerned about law obedience, um, and rightly concerned because we're to be like Jesus and we're to glorify him in the world, that's our right concern about law obedience. When we're concerned about that, that's evidence that the spirit of God is in us, which means our, our faith is saving. Okay, Does that make sense? So, yeah. um, and so we don't get nervous about the moral law. Um, the moral law is like when someone tells you, like, you know, Pete Maravich, maybe the greatest dribbler ever in basketball history. Um, he was in Raleigh for a while, went to Broughton High School. His dad coached there. He coached NC State, too, his dad did. And then Pete Maravich is just, anyway, um, uh, just an amazing guy. Took hook shots from over half court and made them when he was at LSU, just for the fun of it. He was just that good. <laughs> um, all-time leading scorer in college basketball. He averaged like 42 points a game in his career at LSU. I mean, no one comes close to that. Uh, before the three-point line. So those were all two-pointers. Just crazy good, Pete Maravich. But if Pete Maravich tells you, okay, you want to be a better dribbler? Here, I'll give you two drills. Do these every day with both hands for three months. We just do it, right? And that's the moral law. And if we miss two days in a row, we're concerned because you know, maybe I won't be as good in three months as I would have been. But we're not, we're not concerned because, you know, like we won't make the team or something like that, right? It kind of breaks down there. But it's just we're, we're concerned about the law because we, we love our God and we want to glorify Jesus in this world. And we want to be like him. And we've experienced from when we, when we do obey that we are hardwired, human beings are hardwired to obey the moral law of God. That's who they were created to be. And so when they do that, they feel good inside. And you know that, especially when you've had hard obediences. Right? When you were really being tempted or really something else was much easier, but you knew the right thing was to do the thing that was much harder or difficult. Um, And you do that much harder, difficult thing, you feel great inside. And, and you say, God, I did it. Thank you. help. Thank you for helping me to do that. This is the right way. This is good. Man, I just feel pure or clean. Or, this is great. I was talking to somebody uh, this week, not someone in the church, who's been greatly struggling with a particular sin in his life that's ruined his life, really, and, uh, and and lost his job, lost his family, all that kind of thing. Good friend of mine from a long time. And and he's made made some steps in this past week. Uh, and, and I was saying now and he was talking about how it felt good and I said you know that feels good right you know and he said yeah and I said I want you to remember this feeling because you need to groove your desire for this feeling in your life because when you hit 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 hit, hit temptation you want to remember how bad and how guilty and how anxious you feel when you fall and you want to feel, you want to remember this feeling of peace and just being right before God for this decision you made and for, for walking in his ways and and for feeling like you and God were on the same team and he was up there rooting for you, you know, please, John, do this. And you did it, you know? And it was like, (laughs) so I'm going to get emotional about my dad. My dad's, uh, 85th birthday was yesterday, <laughs> so he's been dead almost 20 years now. Um, he died in January, so he's, you know, he's still have like eight more months to get to, you know, to, to that. But it, I mean, he's in. He died at 65, and he would have been 85 yesterday. But you know, my dad taught me things, and you, you know, from my stories, things that I never did before, and it came up in a game, and I just trusted him, and I did exactly what he told me to do and it came out splendidly and people were floored. They're like, how'd that little kid know how to do that? And I looked at, you know, both times, You know, I looked at my dad, you know, up in the crowd, and he said, way to go, John. You know, and just, that was it. I felt so good, you know? And and, and I felt like, uh, one, my dad knows what he's doing. And I knew he knew what he was doing because he had done it before me. He was a better basketball player than I ever was. I was a better baseball player than I ever was. And so I just, I trusted him. I did it in faith. Um, and, and, and I did it and I felt so good. And you know, he, here he is. He's been dead 20 years and that happened 50 years ago or you know, 45 years ago and I still feel good about it. And so that's, that's the law in our lives. We, we, we do it to glorify God and, and we're just created to, to do it. And, and God wires us. So that, you know, it's to trust me and see that I'm good. Just turn to me and see if I don't send the rain from heaven and cause your crops to produce more than your barns can, can, can fit. Um, and so that's sanctification for us. And so um, this is why we don't have to be afraid of the moral law. It's because our salvation doesn't depend on it. And because this stuff is all gravy, but it's great gravy. It's like, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, pick out your favorite five cars. And it's like, how many do you want? Do you want one or do you want five? God says, I'll give you all five. You know, it's just that it's like how, how, how good do you want your life to feel? How unanxious do you want to feel? Um, You know, and one of the motivators for me, frankly, is, you know, I've told you this before being a pastor you know there are certain things that i don't do because i want to be able to answer to you have you done this and i want to be able to say no or with some things i haven't done that in 10 years or i haven't done that 20 years or i haven't done that in six years and i want to i want to build on all those records um you know and 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 that, that i feel good about that you know and and um and so, you know, that's just, it's, it's wise living. So that's justification, sanctification, our, our summary of it. Um, and that's why we don't have to throw out, you know, the 85% of scripture, which are commands. And we note that Jesus gives commands and Paul gives commands and James gives commands and Peter gives commands. The New Testament is full of commands. The New Testament doesn't come around and say commands were just something of the Old Testament. Don't bother with those anymore. Now it's about grace in Jesus. And grace in Jesus, that's justification. But when we look at the Old Testament, we say, grace from God, that's the Old Testament too. Where do we see grace from God in the Old Testament structurally in the life of Israel? That's a big hint for you. Uh, yeah, the whole all the sacrifices. That's not a thing of works. That's God's grace, where God says, you deserve to die, but you can have these animals die in your place. And I'll even make you symbolically do something so you understand that. When you bring the sacrifice, you place your hands on the sacrifice's head, and then I'll transfer your sins to that animal, and then you kill him, because that's what he deserves. And notice, you're not getting killed. The animal is and that's not fair to the animal and that's gracious to you and that's the gospel it's not fair that Jesus is on the cross um, but it's grace grace to us but the Old Testament is is the the covenant, like we say, the covenant of grace begins with Adam and the uh, God sacrifices an animal and puts the animal skins on Adam and Eve and that's the first sacrifice and, and we understand that as a sacrifice of atonement, that God does and initiates so that Adam doesn't physically die and head off to hell with with Eve right then. Yeah, Steve. So you're talking about sanctum. It, obedience would go hand in hand with that piece of passes understanding. Is that, well, yeah, it feels good. But, it, 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 but is it that peace that it brings? Because, like, you looked to your dad and he gave you advice and you yeah. followed it and you were yeah. like. This is good. Yeah. Is yeah. that the same thing? We're looking to our father and he said, just do these things. Yeah. I'm only giving you 10 of them. Yeah. And there's that peace that comes from, it's like, okay, you know, this is, I see now because we can look back yeah. and you can look at those commands and see that if you don't do them Yeah, or the ones that you violated, yeah. what they brought, yeah. it's not peace. It yes. brought anxiety. And, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. That would be that peace that passes understanding. Yeah, and, and we we do it that both here and here, because you know, uh, um, you know Romans Romans five one, you know we have with we have peace. What's what's that verse? Uh, uh, through Christ Jesus, we have peace with God. We have been justified by faith. And through, what's that? Romans five one. Someone look that up. I can't believe I'm not pulling. Uh, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Okay, so justified by faith, we have peace with God. so there's a peace that passes all understanding here, but then there's a peace that passes all understanding here. Uh, and that's that's with God but uh, uh, and, and also just um, experientially in our souls and, and uh, so Solomon talks about um, uh, wisdom, understanding. Um, fear of god precepts all these things and all of that son listen to my words what were solomon's words to his son or listen to the words of your mother or the mother's words to the son it was the law of god and and solomon calls a fool the person who has the law of god and doesn't do it which is what jesus says at the end of the sermon on the mount with uh, the the parable the sandy soil and the and the the house built on the sand and the house built on the rock. And, and he says, you know, the foolish builder builds his house on the sand, house on the sand, and the wise builder, so that's Solomon language, the wise builder builds his house on the rock, and what he says about the wise builder is, he hears my words and does them. And so that's, that's wisdom there, and that's a wisdom that brings peace. And and part of that wisdom is just understanding when I sin, it brings me anxiety. When I sin, it brings, um, discord in my relationships. When I sin, that breeds other sins because then someone asks me about something and I either, I, I either have to admit it, which is hard, or I lie about it, right? I'm tempted to bigger sins to cover the little sin. You know, and that's that happens a lot when, like, people fall from ministry. You know, it's like they, they do this little sin, then they start lying, and then things just build up. And then pretty soon, by the time the guy gets caught, it's like this awful web of terrible stuff. And <laughs> um, you know, the condemnation but, comes, self-condemnation. Yeah. yeah. And and that's, you know, that, that that's the thing. You know, it's like the Jimmy Swagger confession. You know, it's like the guy's a believer, and he's done this thing, and he does not have peace. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's that's wisdom living by God's word. Just seeing wisdom is by definition in Proverbs, it's knowing that this is good and that if I follow it my life is good. Um one of the uh, one of the last uh, things we'll say here. I just was looking at uh, Ecclesiastes 8:12 uh says um Although a wicked man commits a hundred crimes and still lives a long time, I know, this is Solomon talking, I know that it will go better with God-fearing men who are reverent before God. And so it can look like sometimes people sin and are just getting off scot-free and they're doing fine and that kind of thing, but it's not going well with. And Solomon, at the end of his life, having looked at all things, as he says at the end of 1213, of, uh, in, in, in the end of the book, having looked at all things, it's not going well. Down in the, at the soul level, even though they're living a long time and it looks like they're doing well, it's a big mess. Um, and there's not, there's, not, there's not peace there. Yeah. So we love the law because of the, the peace, the joy that that brings to us. Um, because it's it's just it's like you know a, a being a, a ferrari who needs high octane gas and we put the high octane gas in there and we're just clipping along buzzing along on the autobahn right feels good yeah okay any other questions okay great i thought we really need you know just to summarize and cap that off um so we understand those understand those things because it's so important it's why we spent i think it was mid-march we started um justification sanctification um and so but um tremendously important and unless you think about those things then you can spend a lifetime just with those things mixed up and 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 if you keep those boxes separate then you're free um you really are you're free and you're free just to, to, to obey. And uh, when you don't obey, you feel bad for the right reasons. And you're not worried about God's love for you. Um, yeah. Okay, great.